Hi, I'm Carolyn. Hi, I'm Jeremy, and we're licensed marriage and family therapists in California. And we've been friends for the past 20 years. For 10 of those years, we've been working as therapists with families, couples, and individuals. And one of us has been through a divorce, a remarriage, and a blended family. Welcome to Weenus, a relationship podcast. And welcome to the Weenus podcast with Jeremy and Carolyn and special guest star. Jesse. Jesse. Jesse, who is Carolyn? Oh, wait. When Jesse's here, I don't get to say hi, it's Carolyn. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know that was an issue. So I'm going to start again. Welcome to the Weenus <laughs> podcast with Jeremy and. Oh, Carolyn. Hi. Oh, see, that's why. That's why. That's why. <laughs> So you can see we're off to a absolutely fantastic start here. Uh, our engaged audience of 17 is really going to love this one because we have special guest Jesse here who has come in to talk with us about transitions in relationships. When we're talking about transitions, we're talking about the changes that we make throughout a lifetime in a relationship and the stress that that can cause naturally in a relationship. Now, as we know, when we get married, we go several years and we're not the same person that we were seven, 10, 15 years ago. We go through various different changes naturally as we grow. Some people enjoy, for instance, getting a specific job and keeping that job for 25 years and getting a, do they still give out watches after 25 years? Kaiser does. <laughs> okay. Okay. So. Well, you weren't usually in the office, but. That, but they did. They gave out like little clocks. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, yeah. Maybe I should and have stayed so there. I think I stepped on it. You were going to introduce that Jesse is my husband. So let me just make sure that that part's clear as well. Special guest star Jesse is Carolyn's husband. I can't believe I, I uh, missed on that one. But I mean, no that's not my whole identity. <laughs> like, that's not everything about me. But it's most that of it. Is, Did you want to introduce yourself? That is part of it. This is not an introduction. This is not sufficient. Well, you said <clears> that <throat> that's not the entirety of you. So I just wanted to give you space for oh whatever pieces of yourself you wanted to share with the jeremy keeps saying keep the number keeps going up every time you say it 17 listeners that's the law of attraction yeah. you speak it into the universe and then you make it our happen. 25 listeners would you is there anything else you'd like our 25 listeners to know about you um i am a teacher i'm in my second year i teach eighth grade at a waldorf inspired school uh, Carolyn and I have been together going on six years now. Mm -hmm. I am a father of four, three biological, one adopted. I'm a Navy veteran. I like coaching sports, especially basketball. I just keep with, like whatever like comes long next. long walks on the beach <laughs> and fluffy pillows, cuddling with little bunnies. You do not. You don't know that. I do. <laughs> you haven't seen me around any little buddy bunnies. I mean, come on. I have seen you around ladybirds. So he does love to snuggle with our dog. Yeah. Um, I don't know that the listeners know quite that much about us, Jeremy. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. I yeah. I, do. How are they supposed to get to know you? I, I don't know. I, I, I guess I haven't gone on the long uh, self-explanatory thing that, <laughs> I, that just uh, happened. I knew I should have come in right from the start. You guys have been screwing this up the whole time without my leadership. This is my marriage. I it's, had, I so had no faith in a, you and I have been confirmed. 
Jesse's more of a consultant, I, I believe. He's going to come in here and help us really get the engagement going. I, I think that Jesse ought to be a, a regular part of things here. Consultant what? slash heckler. You don't know. You don't heckle on the podcast you're on. You don't. No, you're right. <laughs> and that's why you have 17 listeners. It's about to go through the roof. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So we, uh, Carolyn, you and I, we have See, some soul searching Jeremy's to do. Good at he's good at moving us back, redirecting, getting us back on track. So yes. <laughs> well, so let me just start, Jesse, since we're getting to know you. Sure. Uh, when the two of you got married, you you had a different job. I don't know that that was when we got married. That's not when we got married, but it when we got that. together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had, uh, served nine years in the Navy and got out and had plans that didn't really, um, work out how I thought they would and ended up in a job, uh, working at gas stations all over California, testing their equipment and making repairs. And it was something to pay the bills, uh, when I didn't have a lot of other options and it was pretty miserable from the start. And I did it for almost 10 years, thankfully, because I said, if I'm here at 10 years, I'm going to just go ahead and uh, leave the planet, to put it mildly, <clears throat> only, only somewhat joking. Um, but yeah, I was, I was like very unhappy in my job. I mean, it, it paid okay. It paid pretty well. And it lets you work with your hands. I mean, there, it wasn't all terrible. I do, was... I do like troubleshooting yeah. things and fixing things, but it was a filthy job. It mm-hmm. was miserable conditions out in the desert heat or out in the rain or whatever. And, you know, gas stations are where people hang out when they don't have anything better to do. So it's not a very high quality, uh, you know, clientele that hangs around there a lot. So when Carolyn and I got together, um, she was finishing up her license and doing her hours and everything and and not making a lot of money. And (laughs) then when it came along uh, for her to get hired for Kaiser, uh, the realization was that I actually had some freedom to move for the first time in 10 years. I had um, gone back to school while I was working and got my bachelor's degree online. Um, But, and I always wanted to be a teacher, but it never seemed attainable. And I was always scared of the California education system and, uh, you know, the lack of pay. And I just, I just never thought it was feasible. And then when she came along and got this, it was like, oh, it's actually an option for me now, which was fantastic. So it allowed me to actually quit my job and go to school for my credential um, using my GI Bill benefits. And it's been a long, long process, um, but it's one of the best things that's ever happened in my life. So I remember this time when you were at the other job and it really felt to me that there was just a piece of you that was dying inside. It just, it was really tough for you and because of the lack of fulfillment in the work. And I I just remember that stress in you. Yeah. I mean, yes, there was very little fulfillment in my work. I never looked forward to going to work. 
Um, you know, I had coworkers I liked and everything, and it was a fairly good, you know, family owned company. But at the end of the day, like there was never a time where I was like wanting to go into work or excited about it. And I've never really experienced that in my life until now. Um, you know, I had jobs that I enjoyed and got more fulfillment from, but I now have a job that I truly look forward to despite how hard it is. I mean, it's got a plenty of challenges. And of course, during COVID distance learning, that's been magnified a lot, but I, um, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Like I, I, I wrote my kids a gratitude letter and told them how much I appreciate them. And, you know, I said, I, I can no longer envision myself doing anything else from this point on because it's so incredibly rewarding and I've never had that before. Going, going back to when you had the other job, I'm really interested in this. You have the, the benefit of hindsight now and how that job, when you were really just struggling with it, how it affected your rela relating to, your behavior, your thoughts when you would come home and what you brought kind of to the table based upon what that work was, was kind of doing inside you? I would classify it as very gradual depression increase. It just got worse and worse. I mean, when I got hired, I was excited to start and learn a whole new thing that was completely unfamiliar to me. Um, but then over time, it just started grinding me down where I wasn't my normal happy self. Um, and I did my best to, you know, keep my spirits up and, you know, be fun at work and have a good time and whatever and make the best of it. But even, you know, even in the best situation, it was, it was just miserable. And so Carolyn, at that same time, as you're watching this going on with, with Jesse, what, what were you seeing? What were your concerns? Well, I mean, I think Jesse had been in that job since that's, that's where he was when I met him. Um, and so I didn't really know him another way, but it definitely, it definitely wasn't the end on. And like we said, it was a physical job. It was exposed to the elements. Um, he was on call quite a bit. And so we definitely knew it wasn't something that was going to happen forever. You know, Jesse isn't going to be 60 out doing that work. Um, and so there was a, a long, you know, a look at that. Yeah, there, that was another part of it was there was no upward mobility in it. It was a small family owned company and I was, I had reached the top six months in, I became a foreman and there was nowhere to go from there. And everything I tried to create, um, tried to create like an education and training program because that was severely lacking in the industry um, and tried to be creative and was just met with a brick wall every time. So that was it. I had reached the top. There was nothing more to really do or get better at. And, you know, that, that was, that was disheartening that that was it. And I couldn't do it forever. It wasn't a job that I could retire from because it was so incredibly physical that it would just take a, a toll to where I couldn't do it anymore. I, I know a lot of guys that had to get out of the field because their bodies couldn't take it anymore. And so what do you think in terms of, you know, if we're thinking about weenus and the relationship, like, what do you think, what kind of an impact does being in a job like that have on your relationships? 
I mean, obviously it's a, it's a negative impact. You're, you're not going to be as happy. You might come home irritated. You might be, have a lot less patience for your partner. Um, you know, like Jeremy said, I, I have hindsight now. Like I know how I feel now and I guarantee that I'm more pleasant to be around and it's just it's just an easier you know time in the relationship I think when you don't have that cloud hanging over you all the time and so I'm kind of wondering you know like what it was like for you to bring that to me that you needed to leave your job like how do you think, um, I think for a lot of people that can be a little scary to have that conversation. Um, I mean, he was making good money, you know, and we depended on that, um, you know, until I was able to be licensed and kind of move up in, in what I was able to earn. Um, how, you know, I think maybe for some people having that conversation, maybe it's difficult. I know you and Sherry have had that conversation. You've both made major life changes. What did it feel like for you, Jesse, to to come home, you know, I, I remember the day of coming home and just being like, I, I have got to make a change. And we kind of had two options. There was another option on the table that you pursued for a little bit, but teaching really, that it's been so interesting with teaching. I know this is a little off topic, but there's, there's never been anything with anyone that I have felt such an innate faith in that this is going to work out for him. Like it has worked out the, the way that he's kind of moved through this new career has been really like there's almost like, I just have a faith to it that hard work pays off for you and that this is where you're supposed to be. The right things have happened. But I just, I wonder what that was like to come home and have that conversation with me knowing, um, especially at the time um, I deal with anxiety myself um, as I think we've talked about here. Um, and so to have that instability and uncertainty in our finances and in what the future looked like for you um, definitely created some some anxiety for me. What was it like to come home and have that conversation? And what was it like? I wonder what it was like going through that big transition for you of years, really. Well, first of all, luckily the codependency overcame the anxiety. Uh, <laughs> I honestly, I felt very secure because I knew that you were going to be really supportive and that you had my best interests at heart. Um, conversely, my previous wife was totally ruled by anxiety. And so it wasn't the first time I'd try to leave that job, but her reaction was much different where that triggered the anxiety so much, the fear of not being able to pay the bills and not knowing if we're gonna have a solid income that that was, I knew it wasn't even an option and that was very limiting. And that's part of the reason why that relationship was not going to work. So I, I felt very secure knowing that you would do anything that you could to make me happy and that you would support me and that you would be open to it. I mean, there's a lot of other people. I didn't quit my job and start working. I quit my job and started going to school um, and so that was pretty risky. And also it was a little, it's a little hard for the person that's working to come home and all of a sudden see the person that was working, not working anymore and being, you know, sitting on the couch when you get home, 
playing video games or watching TV or whatever when I didn't have school stuff to do. Or cleaning the house. Or, <laughs> or cleaning the house uh-huh. or ironing your clothes. I can't tell you the number of times I came home to find him ironing. Oh my gosh. I was the best housewife. Uh-huh. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So I wonder, you know, for people who, for it, like in that situation, um, I wonder like what we could maybe suggest for folks who, who don't feel as supported by their partner. You know, how, if we know this is what's going to make us happy. We know we need to make this change. How do we help kind of talk people through that or guide people in their communication with their partners? You know, what kind of, I know both you and Sherry have made some pretty giant leaps. Um, it's one of the things I really respect and love about you guys. Um, and I'm guessing that the the experience was pretty similar, that you felt pretty supported, the both of you. Well, I kind of wanted to, to tell a little bit of the other side of the spectrum here from what uh, Jesse was talking about, because Sherry's always supported me in going and getting furthering my education and and you know making making you know new career choices. The the there was a difficult difficult time in the last two years where I had a really by by most accounts fantastic job with a fantastic company. The problem for me was that I had dead ended. It was the end of as, as far as I was really going to get in that company. And it was no longer a fulfilling thing to me. I had my sights set higher in a company that takes two decades to rise to the top in. And it was, it was something that I, I wasn't willing to wait around for. And I knew I had more rocket sauce in, in the tank. And so I was, (laughs) that's what we should have named this podcast. Rocket Rocket sauce. sauce. Yeah. Sorry, I came up with that seven session, uh, ten <laughs> sessions in. <laughs> so, um, I was kind of on the lookout and got scouted by a different company. Uh, walked away from the really good company into a company that I pretty immediately found out was a very bad choice, a a very bad company. Um, and the feeling of just stress and failure in this the 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 knowledge that i could not continue with this company the feeling that i had that i had let my spouse down by walking away from something incredibly secure into something that blew up immediately and and that you you know there wasn't the option of going back when you walk out of a big company Mm -hmm. like that and it was uh it was really really stressful really panic inducing and it was uh it was not an easy time because it's difficult to support a a spouse through something like that when there's you know feelings of humiliation and second guessing and and feeling like you just really made a bad move and and so the 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 thing that was really helpful for me in that was simply the recognition that I had done my best, that it didn't work out. And sometimes things don't work out in life uh, and the support to go to the next thing and then the next thing. And that it eventually is going to work out if you keep being diligent. Uh, but the stress of a mistaken decision Mm-hmm. is one that can really be the um, 
some of the worst points in a relationship. Uh, and, well, and go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was just thinking, I mean, two things here is, is we have the outside perspective on your transition. And the first thing is that we were both looking at each other going, Jeremy's an idiot. He's walking away from this really high paying job that gives him a lot of freedom to work from home and work on different locations and like kind of like an ideal situation for most people. And we were like, you know, I mean, we didn't think you were an idiot. We understood, but you know, that's hard to walk away from. (laughs) We it wasn't the practical decision for sure. Not at but all. It was what supported the effort that you had made in getting. I we both agreed that it was that it was a good jump. No, we no, we understood the motivation, and you had gone to school and furthered your education, and you didn't want that to go to waste and be for nothing. You had bigger goals, so you know it wasn't the most practical decision, but. I think it was very important and I'm glad that Sherry supported you in it. And then the second thing is that when that new uh, opportunity arose, like that was very exciting and you were going to be like the big guy in charge and that fell apart. And like, yeah, we definitely saw it. Like that took a tremendous toll on you. We could see the stress on you, the anxiety, the feelings of, you know, remorse or guilt that you had put yourself in a, you know, an an insecure situation for your family and your finances and everything. And that was like a very difficult transition period for you to have to deal with that. And I think it's, uh, you know, I, I think one of the biggest kind of blockages or barriers in our relationship is, is our own stuff. And so I can imagine for Sherry that her anxiety could make it difficult at times to support that. I think when Jesse was going through, you know, his transition um, in jobs that there was a lot of uncertainty there. And so my own anxiety, you know, I know there were plenty of times where I wasn't the kind, loving, supportive wife that I, that I aspire to be um, because my own anxiety got to me in it. And so I think that's something to pay attention to is that it's important to have someone someone outside of our relationship to talk to. I know we talked a lot, you know, all four of us kind of talked a lot as you were going through that um, because, you know, I would imagine Sherry needed a space to kind of express her anxiety without it coming to you. Um, Not that we have to hide those things from our partner, but like Jesse didn't need to hear how anxious I was. Um, Not that he couldn't see it, Um, but Jesse didn't need to hear that all the time that I didn't know what the future looked like or that I was worried, I, you know, there's been a lot of times since then, since I've done some of my own work and worked with a naturopath, um, where I've been more equipped to do that, to kind of take that anxiety and, and, and work through it. Not to say like, just ignore your own anxiety and just support your partner, which is what my codependency does tell me to do. Um, but instead to take that anxiety somewhere else, um, so that you can work through it, whether it's with a therapist or with another friend or a family member, Um, but I think in those moments, and I don't know if you and Sherry had those moments, but I know we had moments where my anxiety got the better of me. And I remember, I just remember Jesse saying, this is not helpful. Um, (laughs) when, you know, my anxiety would get the better of me and, and I wouldn't be able to be supportive and I wouldn't be able to be there. I think, you know, did you feel that kind of similar pressure like Jeremy did of kind of taking because you took a pretty big leap too you left a a very financially stable job and 
I knew that everything was going to be fine. I had done the math and I knew that we had the money that we needed. Um, I also recognized that, that you were inherently anxious, especially over money. And I'm the one that does the primary uh, finances in our house. And so I knew that it was going to be at least a monthly thing where I had to show Carolyn that all the bills were paid and we had that much money left over and that everything was going to be okay. And I would dry her tears and that I knew it was going to come the next month and the next month until we were, until I got a position where I was getting paid regularly and, and we could feel totally secure about it. I, I never worried about anything, but I knew that it's, it's not a rational thing so much with the anxiety that it just became overwhelming sometimes because it is hard to be, and that put the pressure on you being basically the sole breadwinner at that point. Like, I think that's a, where a lot of it came from was then the onus was on you mm -hmm. to be the one that's responsible for everything. And if you made a mistake or anything went wrong or happened, like we'd just be screwed and then it would be your fault. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think this conversation uh, has really outlined something that is super important in a mature relationship. And it is really the existential search for meaning that each person has in their life, the impact that they leave in this world. And the, the transition, the, the transitions that we make to evolve in our careers, in our lives, often come with a price tag. They, they always come with some sort of a price tag. And when we're talking here about an unfulfilling job and then the breakdown to a more fulfilling job and the build back up financially, that's, that's a hit. And couples do best when they work together to encourage the, the increase in meaning and the increase in, in what somebody really needs in life to make it as, as impactful and as meaningful as a life really does need to be. And what was helpful for me in that terrible transition was the times when Sherry listened mm -hmm. and, and understood the massive amount of stress that, that I was going to, I understand that she was going through the stress too. I, and I think that that is what made it um, even more stressful on me is because I had created all of that. And I was very well aware of that. Um, but the, the ability to really put the phone down and listen and to talk about, you know, at the beginning of all of this, you know, you want to go back to school. What do you want to do? What does the budget look like for the next five years? So you get this degree, you know, what do we need to be preparing for? Because we all need to feel okay with the direction of our lives. It's just that there's going to be massive transitions, whether that massive transition is, we want to have a second child. We, we want to adopt a child. Uh, we would like to go perhaps, I don't know, on a mission trip somewhere. We would... We need to Move do a career to another change. state or country. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and prep work and the appreciation that your spouse has a life experience that they are going through and that it's not exactly the same as yours and, and that there is room for the two of you in it, but that there is prep work and support that needs to be done 
prior to decisions and when everything falls off the wall, there is there is is support that's needed that is just really in the understanding and the figuring it out together. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think that being a good partner and actually being able to listen. Um, you know, there were definitely times where anxiety got in the way of me actually listening and being able to be present. And that is when I would get, you know, this isn't helpful, Carolyn. Um, and so to just be able to set our own self aside for a moment, you know, just like you and I do in every single session we do, we have to set ourselves aside. Um, I think that's a skill. I think if anxiety is talking loud enough, it can be hard to hear our partners. Absolutely. I mean, that's, a barrier to communication like whenever whenever anxiety like won over I would spend my time trying to figure out what was going on because we'd be having a disagreement about something and I would constantly in my head say this doesn't make any sense I don't understand why she's so upset about this her argument doesn't really isn't very logical and I'm kind of slow on picking up on it. And then I would go, oh, what are you anxious about? And then she would immediately start crying and say, I'm anxious about money. I think we're going to be poor and you're going to have to sell your body on the street. And I'm not okay with that. And, and I would have done it, you know, to whatever needs to be done to support my family. I'm willing to do a dollar's a dollar, a dollar's a dollar. But, you know, and that's, we'd get to the heart of the issue is like, oh, you're just feeling anxious because there's insecurity in this and there's unpredictability. And so let me reassure you. And then we'd get back to normal again. Yeah. Insecurity and unpredictability. I think those two things are really the, the, the crux of so many problems that couples have. And that's just on, on many fronts. And we're really talking about finances, which we know is one of the one of the biggest things that that people fight about uh, in in relationships it's so incredibly stressful because we have a tendency in western society to over leverage ourselves uh, to make sure that we're we're maxing out our our expenses and then put on a little bit more because we really we really needed that jet ski uh, well, you know, I think it's one of those things that's very kind of black and white, like numbers are numbers. Um, and so it's one of those things in our relationships that we can really point to, um, as opposed to, you know, I, I think it can be easier to fight about finances than the emotional well-being of your relationship, right? Because there's more data, I guess. Um, and that was something Jesse said since the, the start of our relationship is that fine, you know, finances are what get in the way a lot and we are not going to be fighting over those. Um, and so while I've had anxiety around it, for sure, there hasn't been, we are definitely on the same page and being able to be on the same page as your partner. And, and like you said, having that forethought of, so what do the next five years look like if I do this so that we can both make this agreement? And it isn't just, well, Jeremy decided to change jobs or Jeremy decided to go back to school you know, we decided to do this. And I think that's just such an important, oh, look, weenus, that's such an important part of our marriages is to be able to agree that we have decided this. And I find a lot of my clients get really tripped up because they're trying to make I decisions and not relying on their partner and having those conversations with their partner and they feel all this pressure. And it's like, well, why aren't, this is a we decision. We made this decision. And whether it goes well or not, we made it. Yeah, I think that's absolutely critical. I mean, 
if I had come home and said, I quit my job today, anxiety would have just burned the house down. <laughs> like that's the instability. I mean, I, th I think you guys have seen through your profession that instability and chaos and unpredictability are the roots of a lot of mental health issues. And that's kind of why people get the anxiety and why they're trying to control everything around them to, to give them the feeling of safety and security that they were not getting in their lives, especially growing up. The path of communication in these stressful times is absolutely critical. I see a good deal of passive aggression in, in the therapy sessions that I'm doing. And I, I'm not shy at pointing that out, but I know that that stuff happens at home. Passive aggression or advice that is not well-timed or that comes with judgment <laughs> attached to the advice. Sometimes your spouse doesn't need your advice <laughs> or sometimes your spouse- I, I don't believe that. I don't buy into that theory, Jeremy. Carolyn always needs my advice. <laughs> but let's, the other way around, has there not been a few times where maybe- You've had a couple nuggets here and there over <laughs> years. I mean. In all honesty, I, there's definitely been times where Jesse has been struggling and we're in those moments, like you said, instead of listening, I've tried to fix it because we get that, that craving, especially, you know, as someone who experiences codependency, I, my, my, I, my happiness is his happiness and I want him to be happy. And so I think we can get really stuck in that struggle of trying to fix it for him when really he just needed me to hear him and to believe in him um, instead of trying to, to fix it. And that requires a lot of discomfort on my part as a spouse to watch him struggle with X, Y, and Z, as you've gone through this process of making this big transition, there've been a lot of struggles, none of it in the actual, like teaching it well, little bits, but most, you know, teaching the kids doing the job has been amazing. The path to get there has been hard. It's hard to become a teacher in California. Um, and so, but in those moments where you've struggled, where we've had a difficult time is if I then entered into fix it or advice mode, instead of just listening and hearing and supporting. I think that's a very common thing. I mean, I am a fixer that I love troubleshooting. I worked on $38 million jet aircraft. I love fixing things for people. And that's a lesson that I've had to learn over a long period of time is that when somebody comes to you and they're having a hard time, that doesn't mean they need you to fix it. Oftentimes they're just looking for support or a hug or, you know, just to be comforted a little bit. And my brain automatically goes straight to, I will get to the heart of this problem and make it change and fix all this stuff for you. And so I've had to really learn over a long period of time. I'm a slow learner that, I need to just not go to that immediately and just be comforting first and listen. I, I've got a perfect tool for you. And it's a tool that too many- I've seen couples, it. It's, I mean, I wouldn't call it perfect, but it's, you know, it's pretty good. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. The perfect tool is- that, that <laughs> I'm outnumbered two to one, guys. <laughs> I'm sorry to uh, all of our listeners. <laughs> we need to do this more. The, the, the perfect I'm sorry to both of your listeners is is really the question uh, what can i do for you right now what do yeah. you need 
uh, the the iteration of, and so like when you're looking at breaking out the toolbox and going, we're going to fix this problem, that can be the first tool you use because it directs you in what the next tool is, and you're actually much further along down the line in a much more collaborative way where you're you, you you're either asking what do you need right now what can i do for you what how can i help you these yeah. allow for the direction even, go ahead i mean i think the question jesse asks the most often is is there something you need and you know which kind of opens up that up to no you know there isn't anything i need right now um, and just allowing for that space, or, you know, maybe the answer is just space. But I think on the flip side of that, as a partner, we have to kind of get out of our mind about asking to have our needs met. You know, if Jesse asked me, you know, sees clearly that I'm in distress, ask me, is there something you need? I think a lot of times, you know, I work with a lot of clients who, who feel that there's such a burden if they go to their friends for help, or if they ask for what they need. You know, I think it's such a gift, you know, if, if I ask Jesse, is there something you need? And he answers me and tells me what he needs. What a gift that now I don't have to try to guess at it and I can just give him what he needs. Um, and so, so yeah, I think that's something that Jesse has learned and, and has been really good at. I think that's a money question is what do you need? How can I help you? How can I support you? leading with a question is an invaluable skill. And that's not something that comes naturally to me. I'm a type A come in with the answers and the solutions first and statements and not questions and learning how to do that and say, what, just tell me what I can do for you in this, what will be the most effective for you? What will be the most helpful puts you on the right path because it could be as simple as I need five minutes alone or I, you know, 90% of the time it's, I need a hug. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, God, that was a lot easier <laughs> than me spending an hour and a half trying to get to the heart of the problem and figure all this stuff out for you and fix it. I just hugged you for a minute and then you feel better. And then <laughs> we start moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. You know, really to kind of uh, pull this all together, it's about making room for one another in the transitions that are going to happen in a relationship. Uh, and, and transitions are definitely gonna come in all forms. And you know, we all wanna work collaboratively. Sometimes these transitions come suddenly. Uh, sometimes it's a cancer diagnosis. Sometimes it is something that takes a, a while, which is just dissatisfaction in a job. Sometimes it is, I can't do this job one more day. And so, it, you know, it's always helpful to have that conversation with your spouse, you know, before that day comes, because chances are you saw it coming. Uh, but the, the chances are that both of you want to work through this thing and listening and working together before the anxiety starts to amp up and leads to anger is really the way to work through these transitions in a much more uh, healthy and weenus oriented way. Absolutely. You know, it's a weird coincidence um, that we're on this subject. I saw a story on Reddit today and this guy did a, a today I learned thing and it, it, it blew up. There was like 20,000 people upvoting it and he was 42 like we are, Carolyn and I. Um, and he said he had become a dentist 
and he was married and he had kids and he had come to the realization that he had ruined his life be by becoming a dentist because he had other passions he wanted to teach he was very into music um, and wanted to get into those things and could have done it and he let his father talk him out of it very early and went to dental school he said he hated it from minute one never enjoyed it and it was miserable and then it started causing him all kinds of physical ailments and you know fast forward these years later of course he's making good money as a dentist and everything but he said my my marriage is ruined my kids don't like me i have i'm not the person i used to be i'm not happy anymore and he got stuck in this thing because he was listening to everybody else and not going with his own instincts and that really poisoned the rest of his life that he felt was that was the key thing of he should have just followed something that he really wanted to do and had passion about and maybe things would have turned out differently for him I, that that's it, it's it's a beautiful story in that you know it really it's really never too late uh you know and and you you can you know make the plan go back and get the training uh, and and do at least a version of something that you always wanted to do. And, and, and people don't do it as much as they ought to. And I really admire the people who do it. And when you are in a relationship, it really takes two people to be committed to that. And, and it, is, it is so important at the end to feel like you've done something meaningful for, for yourself and for those around you that you you've left some sort of an impact on on people and you know there's there's impact that is built into being a dentist but for him the impact was his passion uh, and that that's a that's a really really difficult thing but I, I think it's it's very uh, um, very important in the context of what it is that we're talking about here I think and there's a fine line between you know determining if you're being selfish and unrealistic you know if you're supporting your family and you're like i want to just up and go join the circus or follow some crazy childhood fantasy or whatever i'm gonna quit my job and go try out for nfl teams at 39 years old or whatever like i mean there's a fine line there that you have to be realistic and work it out i didn't just come home and say this is what i'm going to do we sat down and planned out every step and saw what's it going to look like down the road. I'm going to take a $20,000 pay cut to be a teacher. I'm going to have to spend years even going through all that stuff. We thought about all that stuff ahead of time and determined that it was feasible and we could make it work and it was worth it. And we agreed on that. And if, if we hadn't agreed on it, then, you know, that would have been, it would have been, you know, something to, it might have just stopped me. I mean, it stopped me before. Yeah. And I think, you know, to kind of, um, I guess, wrap us up maybe here today, I think the the truth of the matter is, is that seeing my partner, it was stressful, you know, being the sole, most of the sole income. I mean, the GI Bill, um, absolutely. We, we, we've been very fortunate in the transitions that we've been able to make. Um, and so thankfully we have the GI Bill that, that really helps support us through that too. But to be the sole provider and um, to watch, 
you know, just the, the whole process like went on longer than either of us had anticipated. There, it was just, you know, it just is what it is. You know, it, nothing ever, I think, really goes exactly as you think it will. Um, but to see Jesse on the other side of that now and to be in a job that makes him so happy. Um, and I hear him just consistently feeling gratitude for that and feeling happiness in that it makes our lives better. It makes his life, you know, immeasurably better. Um, it makes our household happier. And so in the long run, I knew that it would be worth it. Um, but I think that there's going to be stressful, stressful moments. And just to use, you know, to remember to use the word and that it's not that I love my husband, but this is really stressful. I love my husband and this is really stressful both of those things are true. You know, I love my husband and there are things that he does that drive me nuts or that there's, that he's shaking it's his not, head. That's not true. <laughs> no. Um, Twitter's going to flag that for false news. That's not yeah. accurate. Yeah. I think that just really paying attention to, I love my spouse and this is stressful. That that doesn't have to mean that our relationship has to end or that our relationship is ruined, that this is just a stressful time. Um, and, it, uh, you know, I think for right now, with COVID, like this is a stressful time for most folks, whether you're going through a transition or not. And I think there's a lot of people out there going through unexpected transitions right now. Um, and so it, it can be really stressful and yeah. we still love each other and support each other and are going to get through it. Yeah. That's the belief that we have to, that we have to, to keep if we're going to have that big giant weenus that we've all been working towards here. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to thank everybody for listening to the podcast and Jesse, thank you so much for joining us. I do hope that you plan to come back here very soon to the weenus podcast. Um, please talk to my agent, but yeah, we'll see if we can work something out. We'll get you a pay bump. Also, Butcher Box is great. Uh, what? We don't have any sponsors. No, no sponsors? No, oh, no, Squarespace. Yet. Make your own <laughs> website. No? So we do you, need sponsors. Well, we, okay, we can talk about that. Um, <laughs> and so um, please feel free to find us online at uh, ascentonlinecounseling at gmail.com, or you can find us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all of those things. Thank you, Jesse, for being on our podcast. This is our 10th podcast. Thank you, Jeremy, for Yay. being on our podcast. <laughs> and I guess we'll see you guys the next time we have a show. Absolutely. Thank you so much, everyone. Mm -hmm.